So the question, if someone were to ask you, is who are you? How do, I, how do you identify yourself? Like, what would be the first thoughts that come to your mind as your identity? And I've been thinking about this. I had a conversation with a woman. She's in her late to mid-50s. And uh, she said something I'll never forget. She came to me because she'd been depressed for some 20 years at this point. And she could not only tell me the time that she really became depressed, but the very moment that it happened, that her sense of purpose and hope and joy in life just went away. It was right when her children went to college. So she had two children. They both left to college at exactly the same time. And she said what drove her crazy was that her husband was so happy about it. It's like more food after work and free time, right? It was like a second wind. So people would ask him, like, how are you doing? How's everything going? He's like, we're great. And she's like, I hate you. I'm dying inside. Because he didn't understand what she had lost when she lost her children from the home. And one thing she said to me is that when my children left, I felt like I lost my identity and I never got it back. Which is interesting because one, one definition of identity, what is identity, is that which remains what, when everything that can be lost is lost. Your identity is that which remains when everything that can be lost in your life is gone because we keep going even when we lose whatever we ascribe to my person, whether it be friends, certain people in our life, occupations, things, those can all go away, but we continue. And whatever continues in us, that's our identity. By the way, after this Mass, everyone better call your mother. Right? That's the main, main point here. This made me think, I thought about this because of the location. You know, Jesus didn't just ask his disciples, who am I? and reveal himself as the Christ and found the Catholic Church on Peter in some arbitrary location as they're walking along the road. This is a very specific place that he had to actually walk out of his way to get to in northern Israel, in Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi is famous because this was the religious hub of the Old Testament. When the Jews of that time, the Israelites, fell to false worship, when they worshipped the god of Baal, it was in this very place in Caesarea Philippi that the statues were built to Baal and they were sacrificing their own children in this temple and following the, the pagan gods. And then after that, Alexander the Great, when the Greeks took over, they were so amazed by this area because it had this huge cave still there today. You can visit it. And it's uh, with this water source, it goes like 800 foot plus feet deep. And they didn't see anything like it. So it's very lush, fertile ground around where it's just a lot of desert and plains. And what they would do in that area is they would sacrifice animals and humans and they'd throw them into that water. And then they'd say, well, if the blood comes down the stream, if we see it downstream, then that means that the gods heard our prayer. So when Christ is standing at this place, he takes them to a very uncomfortable, dark place in human history and in Israel's history, where there's still blood stains around the rocks, where it's actually called the, the gate to the nether world, the gate of Hades is what that location was called at this point. And he asked them right there, who do you say that I am? 
So I'm not the only one who likes to make awkward situations, right? Who, who do you think I learned it from? Why would he do that? Why would he take them to such an awkward place to reaffirm his identity and their identity? Because identity is that which remains when everything that can be lost is lost. And when Peter was able to recognize who Jesus Christ was in that very place of desolation, you can be for sure that that's not going to be lost later on. And what's very beautiful about that is the fact that when Peter recognizes Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In that moment, Jesus, recognized, Jesus reveals to Peter who he is. And that's a fundamental element of our faith, that we cannot truly know who we are unless it's in Jesus Christ. And the closer that we come to God, the more we actually come to ourself, the more he enlightens us to our true identity. And yet the farther we go from him, the temptation is to know myself according to all the things in this world that can pass away. And the difficulty is, when the things that we ascribe our, our identity to pass away, what happens to us? We pass away with it. It's like a relationship. You know, it's like when two people are in a relationship and they say, I love you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you, right? That doesn't mean as much when you're in a state of infatuation and all the feelings are really strong and high than when all the feelings go away and you're just left to the day-to-day -day grind of life. When you can still say in the midst of that, I still choose you and I want to marry you and spend the rest of my life with you, that's something that remains. And we all want a love in life that remains. So Jesus was bringing them to this very desolate place to reveal to him for the first time who he truly is, the Messiah, the Son of God, so that wherever they go from then, that won't be shook. So there's a deep, one of the deepest philosophical and existential kind of idioms I've ever learned. It's something that's very easy to remember, but it's going to feel so basic. And yet, if we actually understand this and try to live by it, it changes the way that we live. And it's just three simple words. It's RIM. Relationship, identity, mission. And this, isn't, this isn't just a theological principle. This is how we are as human beings, as relational creatures. That relationship, identity, mission. I understand who I am based upon who I am closest in relationship to. And who I am closest in relationship to, because I receive my identity from them, they also determine everything that I do and say and believe in life. Relationship, identity, mission. And that's why there, it's just a societal fact that we are all accumulation of our five closest friends. The five closest people that you can think about in your life, that's who you will reflect just on an existential level. That's why I try to get away from the Fursati house as much as I can, because I'm so afraid to become like these guys. It's not working. But the Israelites, their whole problem was they identified themselves 
with the pagan territories around them so much that they forgot who their identity in God was. And because of that, they started acting like everybody else. And that is a constant difficulty, not only in the history of the Israelites, of forgetting their fundamental relationship with God in order to fit in and describe themselves and understand themselves according to their country, according to, you know, their, whatever, their sports teams or their jobs or their gender, whatever it was, because that became the most important relationship, their identity became formed by that too. And then they lost the commandments because we follow the commandments of the ones we love most. And that's the problem that that seems to be the greatest difficulty in the Catholic Church today. The Catholic Church got so big and so enculturated with everything around it, so when the culture begins to change and say, well, we used to believe these things about marriage and relationships and whatever, sex, well, now we're changing all that. The temptation is if I belong more to my culture than I do to Jesus Christ, what's going to happen to my belief system? It changes with it. That's why, what's the first commandment? It's the first commandment because it's the most important commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and have no other God before him. Because the second we have anyone or anything else more important than our relationship with Christ, that's who we follow. So Jesus' his entire desire in his life, his, his entire mission was to remain in his identity by his relationship with his father. The success story for Jesus was not converting many souls, was not overturning the Romans or becoming a, um, a political messiah or a revolutionary on a societal level. It was to do the father's will unto death. And if that was Jesus' goal, that's also our mission in our life. And so it is with us. I mean, that's really the adventure that we have in our college experience. It's not so much what you become in college, it's who you become in the midst of that journey. If someone were to ask you, who are you? Like, what makes you unique in your identity, how you understand yourself, what would you say? Would it be a job? Would it be a gender? Would it be where you're from, where you were raised, your nationality? Or would it be Jesus Christ? You know, one of my favorite, I, when I was up in uh, Lewiston, there was a really cool guy I knew up there. His name was Bill. And uh, he passed, well, he was nearing the end of his life, right, um, while I was up there. And I was, kept coming to see him at a nursing home. And uh, Every time I'd come to see him, he'd always ask the question, why am I still here? Like, why does God keep me here? His family's all gone. He's like, I can't even, I can't work. I can't provide anything. I can't even make a meal. I can't even go to the bathroom on my own. Everything I ever had and loved is gone. Why is God keeping me here? And just, and I, I didn't have a good answer to him. You know, but I would just keep going seeing him week after week. And as I was doing that, I was also reading uh, 
story from a Carmelite nun, Elizabeth of the Holy Trinity. You guys heard of her? Really beautiful nun. And she, uh, at one point, she got so sick when she was earlier on in her convent life that she was bedridden for years. She couldn't even get out of bed. And yet she entered the convent in order to offer her entire life and her works to God. And yet she couldn't even move out of bed for years. And she had a disease that was slowly eating her away. And she said that she read in St. Paul's one time in, in the scriptures that we are made to be a praise of God's glory. And she said, at that moment, I realized that's my identity. That's my purpose on this life. That even while I'm laying in bed with nothing to do but to praise God and offer my prayer and suffering to Him, I can fulfill my mission on earth. And when she realized that, she was able to surrender. And I told Bill about that. And he said, well, that's kind of over my head. So uh, just tell your big man to hurry up and get me out of here. And so it was a happy ending. He died soon after that. So, you know, it was was good. But he was very ready to go. And like, I think that's the same with men. When men lose their jobs, when men lose their ability to provide, that's where the identity crisis comes in. And when women lose their children, that's where the identity crisis comes in. Because we get so involved with the things of this world that we forget that our ultimate relationship and identity its mission is to go to heaven, to be with God for all eternity. So identity is what remains when everything that can be lost is lost. And just one last thing, I had a conversation with a, a woman some time ago. She, was a, she had just gotten out of college and she said something I thought was fascinating. She said, when I went to college, I had lost myself. I had lost my identity. I forgot who I was. And we hear that often, right? And we know that 70% of Catholics who go to college stop going to Mass. They just, again, if your five closest friends, if they're not going to Mass on Sundays, if God isn't the first thing in their life, little by little it will not be the same for you. It will be the same for you. But I just think about that, that statement in itself, though. When I went to college, I lost myself. I lost my identity. It's like we can lose keys. We can lose relationships. We can lose jobs. How do you lose yourself? That's a phenomenon in itself, right? But I think it's very important that you go through that process when you're in college. Because right now, you have just gone through a loss of most likely your family is no longer with you. Your hometown is no longer with you. A lot of your old friends are no longer with you. And you have to kind of start from scratch again in a new environment and new people. And you have to discover about yourself what's actually important to me. What was I just doing because that was a part of my environment, but it wasn't me. And when you do that, there's a death and a resurrection that has to come about as you discover who you really are. And that's a beautiful journey. And that's not something that you need to overprotect yourself from. That's why I never want to make this center like a greenhouse where you just come and hide from college or hide from the world. You have to engage in it and confront yourself. Just as Peter had to fight with himself to understand who he was as the rock, even in the midst of his own betrayal with Christ and his failures. So identity is what is left when everything that can be lost is lost. Jesus on the cross lost everything. 
His fame, his followers, his miracles, his power to preach, his authority, his success. He lost everything at the end of his life on the cross. All that was left was his identity. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Because the one relationship he never lost in this life was the relationship with his father. So even in the midst of the suffering and of the death and of the desolation and of the confusion, he could still look up with his final words to heaven on the cross as he is dying and say, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He never lost himself because he never lost his father. And it was his father who defined him. And when our identity is built upon that rock, not even the gates of hell could ever prevail against it.